back. So I go to this party and have a drink and lights out. Like that was it. I was drugged. Welcome to the Secret Life Podcast. Tell me your secret. I'll tell you mine. Sometimes you have to go through the darkness to reach the light. That's what I did. After 12 years of recovery in sex and love addiction, I finally found my soulmate, myself. Please join me in my novel, Secret Life of a Hollywood Sex and Love Addict, a four-time bestseller on Amazon. It's a brutal, honest, raw, gnarly ride, but hilarious at the same time. Check it out now on Amazon. Welcome to Secret Life Podcast. I'm Brianne Davis-Gant. Today, I'm pulling back the curtains of all kinds of human secrets. We'll hear about what people are hiding from themselves or others. You know, those deep, dark secrets you probably want to take to your grave or those lighter, funnier secrets that are just plain embarrassing. Really? The how, what, when, where, and why is it all? Today, my guest is Sarah. Now, Sarah, I have a question for you. Dun, 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 dun. That was a different one. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> what is your secret? Well, my secret is that I survived human trafficking, but now I run a nonprofit helping people try to get back on their feet after trauma. Wow. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. So I'm so glad you reached out to me. I'm so glad we're <laughs> talking about this. And I was going to tell you before, but I p- stopped myself because I'm yeah. a chatty Kathy with you. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, human trafficking and all that, I don't understand. I know it happens, but I think the, the empathetic part of my brain can't even imagine that it's actually happening in this world. So I need you to educate me and hopefully my listeners. So what's your story? What happened? Take us to that moment because I don't understand how this happens. Yeah. And you know, one of the things I want to preface with is that human trafficking has so many arms. There's labor trafficking, there's sex trafficking, which was my experience. There is even intimate partner trafficking where, you know, people get in relationships and their spouses farm them out as that's a terrible way to put it, but you know what I mean? They, they sell them. And wow. so what I've learned on my journey since going through this, um, is how layered it is. It's insane to just pull back the curtain and go, Oh my God, it's not just like the movie taken, <laughs> right? Like people tend to think of that, like, Oh, you get thrown into a van and that's, that wasn't my story. That's not most of the traffickers that I've met with and talked with, that's not their story either. It's, it's, there's many more common other areas. So for my story, I think it's important to kind of go back a little bit as to how I got there. Yeah. Because my, my upbringing, like it was ordinary. It was middle-class. My parents are amazing. I have a great close family. Mm -hmm. I'm not somebody that like, I almost consider myself privileged in a way. Like I wasn't rich by any means, but I had a roof over my head. I didn't experience a lot of the socioeconomic things that a lot of people who find themselves in this situation endure. Yeah. Um, but for me, I was like people pleaser to the core. Okay. Ooh, so yes, like, I know nothing about right. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've read your book by the way. And I was like, yes, I 
Got it. Check, check, check. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for identifying with me. (laughs) Yes, I feel you. But you know what that translated to for me is I didn't allow myself to feel emotions. It was everything's always fine. Everything's fine. We're good. Everything's okay. I've got this. And one of the things that everybody I've known has always said to me is like, oh, you're so strong. And like, really, I'm on the inside, just this ball of pent up emotions. Um, So what that translated to for me is, you know, like I said, my upbringing was super normal. My parents divorced when I was almost done with high school. So it isn't like I, I Oh my God, mine too. Really? That's crazy. Yes. Because even people like, but that's still traumatizing to Mm -hmm. you. Doesn't matter when divorce happens, when you're an adult or in high school or young, it affects you no matter what, whether you want your parents to divorce or not. I just have to say that. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, for, for me, um, I think it kind of shattered that view of like, well, what the hell was the last 20 years, right? It's all a lie. Yeah. It's all a lie. And that means you can't trust anything from anybody. Right. So layers and layers of issues with, you know, and also not ever seeing confrontation. My family never, they never argued. I never once saw my parents argue, have a disagreement fight. So, but can I just say something about that too? That's also toxic. Well, uh, for me, I saw my parents fight all the time, which is like walking on a shell scary. When you don't even know how to fight healthy in front of your kids, that also creates this complex where you don't know how to handle conflict in a healthy way. Exactly. So you couple that right with being a people pleaser. So Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I'm like a walking doormat, not anymore. I've done a lot of therapy, but I was like, she's not anymore people. She's done the work. (laughs) You cannot step all over me. Um, but what happened, um, where life kind of shifted for me is my brother who was a year older, he was in the military and he passed away. I was 19. He was 20. That was really hard. Right. So my parents couldn't really handle it because again, we don't feel our emotions. It's everything's fine. So I took care of everything. I flew out to his air force base, packed up all of his stuff. Had to, I mean, I coordinated all of it. It was exhausting, but Can I, I, I asked t- how he passed yeah. away. It was in a car accident. So oddly enough, he had just gotten back from deployment. Of course, and that always, happens. I know it's so like crazy people get through the rough part and you're like, oh, thank God they're safe. And then back on home turf, yeah. just freak car accident. So yeah, it was, it was really awful and really hard to deal with. And, mm-hmm. you know, death in and of itself is hard, but when it's somebody young and it's unexpected, it's like, huh, I'm not even remotely equipped to deal with this. So yeah. I went into worker view mode and that was when it was, okay, well, I'll take care of some of the logistics and help my parents any way I can. And just, and you were 20, I was 19. He was okay. So you were 19 and then taking all that responsibility. That is an adult's responsibility on top of it. You are not developed at 19 to handle the death of your brother, let alone taking care of all of that on top of it. Exactly. Yeah. It It was a lot. It was a lot. So Instead of taking the time to grieve, I stuffed those feelings. And it was like, I feel fine. Everything's okay. I had a couple of days of a really big cry, but it was like, all right, we got work to do. We got to take care of his life, right? His remaining things. So um, stuffed all that. And I never really paid much attention to it beyond that. But then in my early 20s, I got pregnant unexpectedly with my boyfriend and we made the decision to have an abortion. And I know you've had other guests on in the past, which are amazing. If anyone hasn't checked out those episodes, they're really powerful. I love that you're promoting my show on my show. Thank you very much. But it's so good. Like there, there was 
that episode recently about somebody who had had multiple abortions, I was like, my heart was just pouring out. Cause I'm like, oh my God, it's, it is such a hard decision. And it no is one such can... a hard decision. And no woman's like, yay, time for right. an abortion. Yeah. Like nobody's like that. No one wants mm-hmm. to do those things, but it's like a decision we get to make with our bodies and our futures. But thank that's you. it. Exactly. And, you know, at the time I was working in fashion, so I'm from LA and I was working in fashion and didn't have a steady paycheck. And my boyfriend at the time did not have a steady job. He was like a musician. Like we we were not equipped to be parents. And we recognized that. And we were like, let's take this really difficult step and make this decision. Um, so there's a, you know, there's a couple of different ways to have an abortion. There's like the pill. And then there's like the actual, like. I've done both. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I did the pill one and it it's was brutal, horrible. It was horrific. Horrible. You it's actually you go through birth just so yes. you know, because I did it. That's how I did it. And then I had to go to the doctor because it didn't go all the way. And the doctor said, I don't know why the, they have these pills because it's like your body is going through labor and you're doing right. it at home and it doesn't a hundred percent work. And right. said, and it's that's brutal. It's so interesting that you say that because that was my experience too. Mm-hmm. So I go back to the doctor and they're like, oh, it didn't fully take. And you're like, what is, ha- what is happening inside my body right now? Then like, yeah. what? So they gave me more of the pills to take to like finish the job, no. I guess. Yeah. So going through that twice back to back was really traumatizing. It was, oh my God, you know, so traumatizing. There is already that guilt that you're carrying. Right. Yeah. And then there's that. And it's like, oh my God, like, is this some kind of sick joke? Like what, what is happening here? So, um, you know, they obviously gave me pain pills for that. And then they continue to give me pain pills because mm-hmm. I had to do it again. And I'm rolling my eyes just so, you yeah, know, people. exactly. <laughs> I know. I saw that and I was like, I feel that. <sighs> um, but you know, and at that point in time, there wasn't as much scrutiny, I think on the opiate addiction levels <laughs> and all that, but yeah, you know, and especially when you're dealing with that kind of trauma, you, you take it and you're like, Oh, I don't feel feel anything. I feel nothing at all. I'm completely numb. I'm fine. This isn't that bad. I'm I'm totally fine, which my, you know, my emotion stuffing self was all over that. Like, oh, great. I don't have to feel anything like, oh, I love this. So needless to say, I go to get off the pills and surprise, I'm physically addicted. So Mm -hmm. this started this roller coaster for me of okay, you know what? Next week, I have too much going on this week. So next week, I'll just try getting off of them. Like, you know, I did my research. I'm like, okay, we can't typically die from like detox. So I'll just do it at home. But then it was like, okay, well, now I'm too busy this week, maybe next week, or I would, you know, go a day and I'm like, I'm dying. I feel like I'm dying right now. Like I can't, I'm just, okay, I'll just have a little bit. It's really hard. I got prescribed those for my period and Mm. I would take them I oxycotton, I would take them twice a month just for those times. And just taking it two days, it was like the worst hangover headache you could ever imagine. And finally, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be on these. I'd rather be in pain than than feel that. Exactly. That's exactly addicting. Yeah. No, they're brutal to your body. Yeah. And and Mm -hmm. that's the thing is, even though emotionally you don't think that you need them, you try to get off of them. And all of a sudden your body is like, oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) Especially if you're on them for a long period of time. I was just on them for two days. Mm -hmm. That's it. And I'm, you know, I was on them for a long time because, you know, of course it's like the doctor shops prescribing them and everybody knows somebody in LA who's got some. And, you know, so there goes my foray into opiate addiction. Right. Right. So, um, Essentially, you know, trying to keep a long, very long story short, 
Um, I lost my job. My car got repoed. Yeah. My life was falling apart because yeah. I was falling apart. And I kept thinking I was holding it together. Yeah. And I had people like my, my boss, he was a, a fashion show producer in LA who's amazing, but he's in recovery and he very clearly could see like, I'm not okay. And he tried to help me and get me to go check in somewhere. And I'm like, ah, I can't, I, you know, I just can't like, cause yeah. then what, then, then what <laughs> I just, well, then I you have understand. to admit defeat and then right. your whole, your whole persona is completely thrown. And that mm-hmm. in itself is like a part of you dying and you didn't want to admit defeat. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, again, somebody like me, who's like, I stuff my emotions and everyone sees mm-hmm. me as so independent and strong. It's like, I can't ask for help. No, 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 no way. That's, that's not my that image. would show weakness. I don't yeah. show weakness. Get <laughs> out of here. So then um, I was, you know, t- trying to stay at my mom's house. I stayed there for a little while. She got sick of my shit, mm-hmm. obviously. And um, I started couch surfing. And for me, it was as simple as I went to a party and here I, okay, here I am like in my early twenties, like hopping around with like nothing but a backpack with like a pair of what looked like stripper heels they were in at the time. I'm sure you remember the big platforms. Like the, but looking back, they looked like giant, you know, like, yes. but this is all I have. My point is, is I didn't have like normal shoes. I had like a pair of cutoff shorts. Like I had nothing except what was on my back. So I go to this party, mm-hmm. have a drink mm-hmm. and lights out. Like that was it. I was drugged. Yeah. And fortunately for me, I don't remember much of the details like every now and then like in therapy or something I'll have these little glimmers of light. Yeah. yeah like who is that where am I what is happening yeah. um but I think my greatest gift is that I was pumped full of so many things that it saved you from those images yeah, yeah. that's mm-hmm. it exactly yeah. like I don't have a lot of that like my body remembers more of my trauma than my yeah. brain if okay. that makes sense that does make sense yeah so um I was at this house mm-hmm. and I I overheard there was this one really big conversation that I do remember overhearing where they were talking about sending me to Mexico. And I was like, what the hell? <laughs> like, I yeah. know they're talking about me. There's no one else here. Um, so I'm freaking out. So I reach out for help. And my mom had no idea what to do. My dad had moved to Australia after their divorce. He was mm-hmm. out of the picture, right? So my mom had no idea what to do. She called family that I have here in Georgia mm-hmm. and was like, here's the situation. I don't know what to do. Like nobody knew what to do with me in this. So law enforcement would come to the house and, you know, they can't do much because I'm an adult. And yeah. at the time, and this is where human trafficking is really, really, really tricky. And again, a lot of women that I've talked to who have experienced also go through this like Stockholm syndrome thing where it's oh, like, yeah, you go from living with literally a backpack on your back, like not knowing what is going to happen next. And it's like, if I leave here, then what, where, where do I go? Like, I, I don't understand what this next step looks like. Um, and it's terrifying. And not to mention you're like, you know, brain's all messy because you're getting pumped full of so much stuff. You're like, and your body's getting taken advantage of. So Mm -hmm. then you're so disconnected from your physical being because a lot of times when that trauma happens, we are not attached to ourselves anymore. Right. When sexual trauma happens to our body, we completely disconnect. Mm -hmm. Whether you think you're not or you disconnect from yourself. Absolutely. And I still, to this day, 
mm-hmm. have to work on body connection. You, you yeah, know, I do too. So much of me that's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> am I okay? Like, well, the, even if we do things to ourselves and put ourselves in situations or things mm-hmm. are done to us, we disconnect from from ourselves. So it takes a right. really long time to connect that back up, and it takes absolutely years and years. And years. So I'm yeah. not surprised you're still going through it. Absolutely, and it's something I know I'm going to tackle the rest of my life. There's a, a really good book. Um, I can't remember who wrote it, but it's called The Body Remembers, mm-hmm. and it's a beautiful book about, you know, how are, and that's what I learned through my experience was like, okay, my trauma, I feel it in my hips when I get stressed, like my hips will get really tight. And I'm like, Oh, I know what that is. Yeah. <laughs> Mine's in my throat. My, I get oh, it. In my interesting. Throat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It closes so, up. Like I literally cannot breathe or talk. It's like, yeah. I lose my voice, but uh, I do want to ask you like, how long were you at that house? Do so, you remember like anything that happened or just like glimmers, like you said, can you, yeah. like, can you paint the picture for the listener? Because again, I don't like, I can just think in my head as a listener, like, why don't you just walk out? Right. Absolutely. You see what I'm totally. So that I just want, like, can you explain why it's not easy and what is happening so they can? Yeah, okay. absolutely. So, you know, the things that I do remember are, I mean, it was, it was a lot of really big, scary guys, <laughs> like simply put, yeah. um, and, you know, you kind of wake up in these days is like naked on a couch, like, whoa, what is happening right now with, and, you know, trigger warning, but, you know, things happening around you and you're like, whoa, what is going on? Um, and then there was a couple of times that I woke up. I mean, just my legs completely bruised up like black and blue. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's when that connection of like, oh, I'm in trouble here. This is this is not just some like party that won't end. There's like some really serious darkness stuff happening yeah. here. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. But total, I want to say combined, like in that house, I think I was there for like three weeks and then I was moved to a different house. Oh. And I would, this, the second house was really interesting. Um, I obviously can't name names. This person's now in prison, so it doesn't really matter, but he, mm-hmm. you know, you know, you're in LA, the people in LA who are really close to big people who think that they're one of them, like they're inches away, but they're not quite those people. He was one of those. And so he like knew everybody. Um, and unfortunately for me, this guy was really connected with law enforcement, which Mm -hmm. instills a lot of fear, right? Because house number one, I was like hardly even present, you know, but house number two, I have many more memories there, but I'm in this house with somebody who works so closely with law enforcement. It's like, what do you, what do you do? Like, terrifying utterly terrifying yeah she's a young girl right right exactly that's it is I you know and because of my upbringing I didn't have any adversity like I told you like I didn't even know how to argue properly I was it was not equipped to stand up for myself in a situation like that and you know to your point of like why don't you just walk out the door interestingly enough like my mom showed up at that second house Uh uh-huh and with police and I refused to go, I, I wouldn't do it because I was terrified because I also had these people telling me, we know your family's information and, you know, a lot of threats. Yeah. Around, pictures like, of you, video, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. I'll put it everywhere. I mean, I'm right. sure they said that or not, but I can just see using Absolutely. that as leverage. And yeah. like, what do you do? You're like, right held hostage. Exactly. So, and one, you know, even more so than just things about me and my, cause at that point, my self-esteem was gone anyway. Oh, it was like, well, whatever. You were, you were <laughs> you know? empty. Yeah, you were just, yeah. Like try to hold Checkmate, that against me. You're just done. Put whatever <laughs> pictures you want online. I don't even care anymore. But with, um, with my family, it was like, we know their bank information. We know that, and there were like threats of like going after my family oh, in wow. financial, physical, 
other ways. And so that's where that fear of like, okay, well, I'm in this situation, but they're not, and they don't need to be. It's just, it's just better for me to be here and be quiet. Right. I'm just going to, can I ask you a question with that? Like even like amplified with your people pleasing and codependency Mm -hmm. and all of that, like the threat for the family, but it's also like you're disconnected from them now. Right. So it's like almost did they go into the thoughts of like, I put myself in this situation. Did it ever go there for you or no? It did. And Mm -hmm. it's a lot of guilt that I had. It took me many years of therapy after the fact to even get over because, you know, here and, and, you know, I kept thinking like, oh my God, my parents have already lost a son. We've already had so much pain in our family and here I am causing more More chaos. Mm -hmm. Like I just wanted to disappear. Like, I don't know how it's, but I wanted to sink into the floor and never have to bother anybody again. Cause let alone, it was like my livelihood was gone. I didn't see anything beyond the next 24 hours, not even now the next 10 minutes, right? I was operating in such survival mode that the idea of anything else for me in life was like, there's no way, don't even entertain it because we're just in this situation right now. But it just started from you being at a party in LA. Mm-hmm. Or, mm-hmm. And it was that easy, drugged up, right? Yep. From from the pain medicine to then be taken advantage of. Yep, that's it. it. Like and you can, that could happen to any girl in LA I right know. now. Like I that's know. It's, terrifying to it's me. It's terrifying. Well, and so, you know, one of the things I learned after the fact with working with law enforcement so much was that mm-hmm. these people target people. Like I was not the first for these people at all. Well, you couldn't have been. They they sound like they had it down like a system. Totally, Mm -hmm. totally, exactly. And, you know, girls like me who, you know, not to do my own horn, but I'm, you know, a pretty girl with nothing, you know, and here I am being very open about the fact of like, hey, can I crash here? I have nowhere else to stay. Like I'm prime target of this happening. I didn't have a car to leave in. I didn't, you know, I had nothing. And at this point too, I had disconnected from so many of my friendships because I was ashamed of where my life had gone. Yeah. Mostly because my identity was wrapped up in my career. And so once I wasn't working in fashion anymore, it was like, oh, <laughs> who am I? Right. And yeah. so there was shame in that. There was shame of how I lost work. It was just piles and piles of shame um, stacked on top of it. So I'd really distance myself from everybody that mattered in my life. Um, but, you know, going back to that second house, mm-hmm. one of the things that I think is a really important part of the story too, that again, people are going to be like, what, why would she do this? But so this person, as I mentioned, was worked very closely with well the known in the legal system. So yeah. we, he had actually dragged me at one point to court. He had to go like testify or something. And so drags drags me to court okay looking like a hot mess in my giant platform heels I mean it was a disaster but as I'm walking in the building there's a door right by the front that's like domestic violence room Uh and I was like "Ooh!" so I waited until he was up doing his thing and I scooted out like I'm going to the bathroom and I went in this room and I unloaded like the poor person in there I was just like here's all these things that are happening I don't know what to do blah 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 they put me on an ambulance. They take me to a hospital and I'm, you know, the like, again, trigger warning, but full disclosure, like the nurse, when they were doing the rape kit, the nurse who was doing it had to leave to like catch her breath. Like I had been mm. beaten yeah. horribly. Yeah. So, um, but while I'm there and, you know, I'm like coming to and kind of like getting my bearing strikes, I'm finally getting like IVs of normal fluids and, you know, yeah. having a little bit of time away, but I heard 
a family member outside the door say, you know, because the police were like, we find these people, blah, blah, blah. And I heard a family member outside the door and say, well, Sarah's on drugs. You can't believe anything that comes out of her mouth. And I was like, oh, oh great. Okay. I just want to like hug you, your I little know. self in that room. And it's like, it already takes so much strength for you to walk mm-hmm. down that hall into that room and unload. And then it's right. like, to then hear that it's so and disheartening. That was, my thing was like, nobody even believes me anyway. Like what... <laughs> What's what the is point? the point of any of this? Like, and again, just that feeling of like, God, I just want to disappear. Like, I just don't want any of this to happen anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but what ended up happening is that my trafficker figured out where I was, came to the hospital and I left with him. No. Got, got right back in his Sarah. car. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. And that's how much you hated yourself already. You know, that's like it. You, and it's that self-hatred that you mm-hmm. are all the trauma that created. And mm, that's no. it. As I, I was, and again, like we talked about earlier, that feeling of like, everyone's just better off without me here anyway. They, yeah. hey, they don't even believe me. I just heard it from their own mouths, but also I'm causing all these problems. Like, just let me go there and die. Like it's, what's the point? Um, so little did I know in the background, my family, like I told you, they had reached out to some of my family here in Georgia, where I live now. Right. Um, but a, my uncle out here was uh, very high up in the Marine Corps. And so also knows a lot of people. And he went into full like militia mode, like we're getting on a plane, we're going to go get her. So they're flying out there to, and they're hiring a private investigator unbeknownst to me, right? I'm just in this house. And the house was interesting because he had so many security cameras everywhere. And on his TV in the living room, it was like, there was security grids. camera. Yeah. Those yeah. grids. Yeah. Yeah. So I would just lay there and like watch them because it was like the only entertainment that I had. So I would just watch them. And so that you like, could even see who was coming to take oh, advantage yeah. of you. I could, like you I would could see, see them everything. coming to the door. Mm-hmm. And, and so he's like, it was, Oh my God, yeah. I can't even, your poor soul. Yeah. You could just, <sighs> and you're just like, okay, here it is. But, um, one day there was this black SUV that kept driving by and I okay. was like, Oh, wouldn't that be cool if that was for me? <laughs> and it kept driving by and kept driving by. And one of the security cameras had gotten like knocked down or something out front. Yeah. And he goes out there to go fix the camera. And I mean, like this piles of law enforcement. Just oh, like, yeah. <gasps> it was insane. It was utterly insane. I was like, what is happening? So I go out like the, the cops come out or come inside and get me. And I look out there and there's my family from Georgia. And I've never ran so fast in my whole life. I was getting emotional. I talk about this part because it's know. really sweet. <laughs> but I, and I remember my aunt had a little napkin with a brownie on it from Starbucks because <laughs> she was like, I figured you haven't eaten in a while. And I'm like, a brownie, but like, thank you. And I still, to this day, I smell brownies cooking and I'm like, oh, or you walk into a Starbucks yeah, and you see the brownie and then you start crying. I and then know, the worker like, is oh like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> I love exactly. this brownie. <laughs> exactly. Well, and so the reason that they came so fast was another interesting twist in my story. So my mom had gotten a phone number for somebody who she thought managed Mm -hmm. like a nonprofit thing dedicated, like through a church or something like dedicated to human trafficking and helping, you know, victims. Yeah. So she calls this guy and is like unloading, like here's all the, and he's like quietly listening. And then he goes, how'd you get this number? And she was like, oh, well, my sister knows somebody who gave me this number. And he was like, well, I'm head of human trafficking at LAPD. What did you say his name was? And they looked him up and were like, she doesn't have another day. We got to go now. And that's how quickly it all just fell into place and kind of turned around and got me out of there. Mm. 
Oh my God, that's such a beautiful story. I'm like, so, <laughs> so I know we're running out of time and I, I literally could talk to you forever, but mm-hmm. it's just like, my mind is really blown. And I hope yours is too, because I never imagined this situation you talked about can then turn to human trafficking, can then mm-hmm. turn to sex trafficking and all yep. of that. Cause my, I just think of the white van pulling up and grabbing right. you and then you're gone to Mexico or somewhere else. So this is happening like right down the street from mm-hmm. where I live. Yeah. And you would be shocked. You'd be shocked. And it's like, what is our society doing? Why are we not protecting not just women, boys and and, Mm -hmm. and guys too, but it's like, I know you started a nonprofit. I know Mm -hmm. I really want to talk about that before we run out of time. Please tell me how you started it, what it's called, how people can help and all of that. Absolutely. So uh, it's called, but what is next? So you can go to but what is next.com. Mm-hmm. And I named it that because I, you know, you probably heard me throughout telling my story. I there were so many times where it's like, okay, well, what's next? That, and that's something that's always sat in my head. And there's always that hesitation and fear of like, but okay, it sounds good, but then what? What's next? Like, what, what do we do then? Yeah. Um, so for me personally, where I found my joy and my passion was finding a career path that I loved and finding value in being a contributing member of society. Like that's really important to me. And I didn't and realize taking how... your darkness and turning it to light. Like that's right. what you're doing, right? Exactly. It's very exactly. important to take the things we went through, the darkness were shameful, that mm-hmm. secret, that stigma, and then helping others. And that's, that's what you're it. doing. Yeah, exactly. And you know, my, my day job is I, really high up in marketing for a media company. Like I've ended up in this really cool career, but it took me having to go, okay, I don't have a bachelor's in marketing. I don't, I went to a fashion school. (laughs) I I don't have much to offer in terms of like jobs. Um, (laughs) but I, you know, pulled myself up on my bootstraps and looked into certifications and just, I mean, every networking opportunity, I, I had to get really uncomfortable with putting myself out there. And of course this is after a long time, in a couple Therapy, treatment centers, yeah. dealing with everything because I highly recommend that anybody coming from a traumatic situation. Um, you have to do that inner work. Yeah. You can't to. jump to what she's doing Mm-mm. now. I nope. thank you for saying that. Like takes a lot of therapy, a lot of work, a lot of going through that pain. Yeah. That, that is the most important. That's it. And you know, my, my trauma in terms of the trafficking is now 15 years behind me. And so it's taken me a very long time to have just now in this last year said, okay, I'm ready to start something and start giving back in a meaningful way. So what we do about what is next is we help people essentially find their dream career. And we provide Mm -hmm. education and career resources. Um, We also have a podcast It's called So You Couldn't Be a Pop Star. um, Because (laughs) that's a great name. I love it. (laughs) Thank you. But you know, we all have those dreams of like, I'm gonna have this amazing life, like when you're a kid, and then like now I'm like in market, but it's my dream job. I love what I do. And if you would ask me that at nine years old, I'd be like, that sounds dumb working in an office. Ew. Um, but that's, that's our goal is finding people who are like, I don't know what to do with myself. I don't have any marketable skills. I'm, yeah. I'm ready. Like I've done the work in terms of healing myself and I'm ready to figure out what's next. And so we provide that. Oh. Um, and it's an exciting thing. Like I love mentoring people and I love, you know, kind of shedding some light in really bad situations. And I feel like for me personally, everything that I had gone through would have been for nothing if I don't use it to help other people. That's, I feel like that's a calling of mine now that like, I have this gift of coming out of a really 
horrible situation to your point that many people don't understand. Yeah. And I can use that to really make an impact. So it's, well, that's where the healing for you is too. I mean, even for me, I know it's totally different situations, but I, I sold my sexuality just Mm -hmm. like you in a way it's different, but you know, when we go through that pain, we have to help others because it keeps the healing happening. Because I have to tell you when I help someone else, it then helps me heal even a little bit more. Right. Exactly. There's, there's no greater feeling than like shutting down for the day. Like, okay, I had some good conversations. And even if nothing concrete came from it, like I was there for somebody today and that's, if that's all I did today, like that's a win, man. Like, I love that. Um, we are still running out of time, but I have so many other questions <laughs> for you. But one of the main questions, mm-hmm. I have a lot of people on here, obviously, that have gone through such hard times. And I always like to leave like a helpful hint. So mm-hmm. if someone's out there and they're in the partying world in Los Angeles, like you were finding themselves lost, what would be the like advice you would give them if they're listening right now struggling? Oh, that's a big one, right? There's so many variables. Like my situation, my mom went to Al-Anon and they said, well, don't let her in the house. And she goes, okay. And then look what happened, right? And she had a lot of guilt that she had to get over with that as Mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I think the biggest thing, and I think this applies for most of life is like, it's okay to embrace your messiness. And if you're in situations where you're putting yourself in less than uh, ideal situations where you might be at risk, a try to keep your wits about you. But if you're in a situation like I was in, like, it's okay to pick up the phone and be messy and ask for help. Like, and the help doesn't have to come from family or friends. Like there's, you know, you know, the rooms of recovery, like there's, I promise you, if you walk into any recovery meeting, any 12 step meeting, no matter what the issue is, they will help you with open arms. And be able to at least provide you some guidance perhaps to, you know, shelters or or something like that. But there are ways out. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's, you can't do it alone. You just cannot, Mm -hmm. you cannot do it alone. And my one thing I do want to say is no matter what sexually has been done to you or you have quote unquote, put yourself in, it Mm -hmm. does not define you. It doesn't take anything away from you. Even if you have to do a lot of healing, you are still a whole person. That's what I have to say. Cause I always felt like I was broken or dirty Mm -hmm. or nobody wanted me or, you know what I mean? And it's like, you are still a whole person and worthy. And absolutely. Was absolutely. Oh my God. Okay. So please give people (laughs) the links where they can find you. I'll have it all in the show notes. If they can follow you on social media. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Instagram is where we do most of our stuff. Um, it's at, and this is really fun to say at, but dot, what dot is dot next because but what is next was taken. So I had to get creative, but I love it. <laughs> so there, and then obviously the website, but what is next.com. Um, lots of good information on there. We keep it up to date with like blogs and we're obviously linking to the podcast and the podcast too is really fun. It's really just focused on helping you find your career path. And so we talk to people who love their careers, how they get there, how are they balancing a nine to five with their passion? Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully give some people some guidance when they're looking for their career path. So it's called, so you couldn't be a pop star anywhere you get podcasts. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on. I'm internally grateful for educating us and telling us your story. Absolutely. And if you want to be on the show, please email me at secretlifepodcast at iCloud.com. Until next time.
Thanks again for listening to the show. Please subscribe, rate, share, or send me a note at secretlifepodcast.com. And if you'd like to check out my book, head over to secretlifenovel.com or Amazon to pick up a copy for yourself or someone you love. Thanks again. See you soon. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.